When I first met Audrey McGuire in the bar of a hotel on the outskirts of Los Angeles, she was a fiery shock of red hair poured into a full skirt dress that teased a curvy figure beneath. Her full blood red lips pouted at me as she performed a sub story about needing money for a bus ticket to Indianapolis to stay with her mother after her husband had raised his hand to her one time too many. The second time we met, Audrey was a willowy blonde wearing long boots and a short skirt, lying through thin lips about visiting her sister in San Francisco. The third time we met, I observed Audrey gracefully flowing from one potential mark to the next, shedding her previous appearance between tables before seamlessly slipping into a new life with a single gentle touch of each man's hand. One moment, she's an olive-skinned beauty in a cardigan, distracting a married man with her piercing blue eyes as she steals his wallet. The next, she's laughing it up with a group of drunken suits pawing at a pair of milky thighs exposed by the short hem of her fashionable mod dress. I never gave a second thought to the way she'd temporarily leave with this or that man as she wore this or that face, sometimes an hour at a time, sometimes for mere minutes. But when some loud, dark-haired stranger in an expensive suit dragged Audrey away by the wrist, the panicked look she shot my way from a hauntingly familiar face convinced me to follow close behind. I caught up to Audrey and that dark-haired stranger in the stairwell, just in time to hear a cry of pain closely followed by a drunken voice demanding to know why he had to hear from the boys at the office that his wife was moonlighting as a whore in a hotel bar. Cynthia, some poor housewife named Cynthia, was probably somewhere cooking dinner for a husband she didn't know was drunk in the stairwell of a hotel, threatening a frightened woman wearing her face. And as Cynthia's face attempted to lie her way out of a literal corner, Cynthia's husband raised his hand. But as he raised his hand, her face changed. Her left eye darkened and swelled shut. Her bottom lip split and bled, and bruises appeared on her from head to toe. Whether by fortune, divine intervention, or alcohol, Cynthia's husband stumbled backward down a flight of stairs and scuttled out the door without another word, looking as if he'd just seen a ghost. Then, once we were both sure he wasn't coming back, I returned to the bar with a woman who looked like my dead wife. Over the next several hours and drinks, I found myself lost in the glittering hazel eyes and gentle lines of my wife's face as she shared the story of a life she never lived with a name she never knew. There was mention of a one-bedroom apartment in Shermer, Illinois, some boy named Reggie, and a kiss behind the high school gym that left her with no choice but to leave behind both Shermer and Reggie forever. And as we danced, the woman I struggled to call Audrey inquired about my work with childish wonder and glee. And as I explained the nature of the microscopic Sutherland fluke, coiled around both her central and peripheral nervous system, how it allowed her body to instinctively reshape itself in reaction to physical and emotional stimuli, she pulled her body closer to mine. 
Aji was gone by morning. And while I'm unsure if I've seen her in the years since, or if a person by the name of Audrey McGuire from Shermer, Illinois ever existed, I do know a lost soul gave a lonely man one last night of happiness. And for that, I will always remember her.